When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 101 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch, Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. Our first podcast back since last week. We did episode 100 at Red's Restaurant in Carlstadt. We had Jonathan Casillas. Uh, it was a blast. And and now we kind of get back on the, the normal track here, James, as it's here. The season is here. It's funny how if, if fast it snuck up because we were all kind of just getting excited for that episode 100 out at, at a live event. And now we sit down and do this one. It's like the game is Sunday night. The, the season is here. It's football time, James. Yeah, it always feels like every season it just kind of creeps up on you and it takes forever to get there. And all of a sudden, it, by the time you get there, it feels like, oh, wow, that was really quick. Like, you know, are we even ready yet? But, you know, here we are. They're going to Dallas on Sunday night. We know Ezekiel Elliott's going to play. Uh, we don't know yet if Odell Beckham Jr. is going to play. That's something we're probably going to find out maybe right at kickoff. And, you know, hey, the Giants are here. It's a big game with Dallas and we have a lot of expectations for this team and now we see if they can live up to it yeah we do and a lot of these expectations it feels are self-imposed i mean it's not like the giants are putting out a uh, a super bowl video like the bears in 85 but you you could tell dan I and mean, even when we had casillas he didn't shy away last week when we talked to him from the expectations and what he you know what they believe they're capable of it feels like the giants are okay from the summer to casillas to just everything in between they're okay with the fact that People think they're going to be good. I think they think they're going to be good. Yeah, I mean, it goes all the way back to McAdoo's introductory press conference where he, you know, he didn't shy away from saying the, whole, you know, the goal is to put the fifth trophy in the case. You know, obviously that's the type of thing that any coach is going to say, but he, like you said, he hasn't backed down from it. They were saying it uh, last preseason when people probably laughed at them because, you know, you're coming off a six-win season. Uh, you know, they backed it up in the sense that they, you know, got back to being a playoff team. And like you said, expectations should be higher this year. I mean, you look at this roster – it's a better roster than the one that won 11 games last year. Now, you might say the offensive line weakness is still there. Uh, Eli is still getting older. You, you know, you could say those types of things, but that was the case last year when they didn't have Brandon Marshall and Evan Engram and Red Ellison and, and, and B.J. Goodson playing and, and Darian Thompson healthy. So this roster is better, so there's certainly no reason for them to shy away from those expectations. And McAdoo was asked, um, you know, does it put more pressure on you? And he gave kind of the stock answer coach gives like no one puts higher expectations you know on us than we do ourselves. Uh, but I think that's the case. I mean, these guys aren't going in there saying, oh, man, hopefully we can get to the playoffs again and, and maybe make it to the second round. They're, they're definitely, uh, you know, setting their sights on the Super Bowl. And it's certainly a realistic goal. They should be setting their sights on that. Yeah, it's interesting. The Giants haven't had these kind of expectations, James, in a while. You know, last year there were there was excitement. There was some. Um, newness to it because Ben McAdoo, uh, but there wasn't really excitement for a, a playoff berth. I mean, I think there was some hope that that could happen. It did. They took off in the second half, but 
I mean, I'm thinking back. It's it's been some times that the Giants walked into a season with these kind of expectations. James, when you look at the roster, and now that it's set, 53 man rosters in the books. You guys covered it all last weekend. We look towards Week One now. Do you think this roster, before we get to the schedule and the ebbs and flows of what it might be, do you think the roster's capable of me- meeting that goal that Ben just mentioned that Ben McAdoo had? Yes. But I, I mean, yes, I, I think it is just because the defense is, is so strong and we think it's going to be better with, with the you know, upgrades they've made at safety and at linebacker and the fact that they really don't seem to be missing a beat at defensive tackle. Eli Manning, obviously, is a guy who's won two Super Bowls. So there, there you go. You've got a guy who gives you a chance. He's going to have to play better, but the Giants believe it's going to happen. They've added all these offensive weapons. Evan Ingram, Brandon Marshall, Red Ellison. You got Odell. You got Sterling Shepard. You think Paul Perkins can be a, a good back in the league. The offensive line is a major question mark, and every time I get asked, whether it's a radio interview or a TV thing or a podcast, I say the offensive line is the biggest question mark. It could be the one thing that holds this team back. But I think that if you're going to look on the glass half full side, the Giants have had success last year and the year before with an offensive line that was shaky. They hopefully can manage it. They think, you know, even if they have issues to tackle, they've got Ellison. Maybe they do something inside. You know, maybe they they're seem they seem open to making a change. John Jerry is going to start. It looks like on Sunday night, but it seems like they've at least acknowledged the possibility they could make a change on the line if they had to. So yes, I will say that they're capable of of achieving the goals that they have set out for themselves. But I still think that offensive line at the end of the day is a big big question mark, and it's entirely possible we'll be sitting here in January saying you know this team could have won something. But that offensive line held him back. Yeah, I mean, that's the story. I mean, that's been the story for years. It feels like it's the story again. It feels like it's a bigger story almost now because we think they're good. And, we, you know, if one thing holds them back, it becomes even a bigger story. We've done a lot on the offensive line, Dan. We've done a lot on the weakness. How about let's go to a, a different angle here. Let's talk about an X factor. Eliminating Eli Manning for a second because I think it's just too easy to have the quarterback in the NFL as the X factor. If you were to have one player where you could go one unit if you want to Dan but one player one unit um, that you think will will be the story of this season or tell the tale if this unit or this player plays really well the Giants are going to be really good if they struggle have injuries on and on um, the team won't play well x factor for the Giants other than Eli okay well, just to be clear I mean if you're talking injuries I mean they, they can't afford an injury to Eli Odell probably snacks or Collins, but I wouldn't really call them X factors. That's just a fact of life. If one of your superstars at a you know important position goes down, they're going to be in big trouble. I think more to the spirit of the question of an X factor, I'm kind of torn between uh, Evan Engram on offense and BJ Goodson on defense. I mean, if either one of those guys doesn't live up to expectations, they can still be a good team because they showed it last year. They didn't have any production from tight end and they were a good team. They didn't have any production from middle linebacker and were a good team. But if those two guys can be as good as, you know, sort of we think or sort of the buzz that's out there, but we really don't know, uh, it could take things to a whole nother level. I mean, I think Engram, uh, you know, has the potential to be a huge weapon. I know rookie tight ends, uh, you know, don't typically light the world on fire. And he's probably not going to play quite as much as people think. Because I think Red Ellison, when they're in the, you know, their kind of standard 11 personnel on first down, I think Ellison will probably be the guy more often than not just because he's a better run blocker. Engram uh, will still play a lot in two tight end sets and in sets where they're more of a passing uh, formation. Um, but if he, if he can stretch the middle of the field and, and get teams out of that cover two that they used all last year, uh, that'll just be such a huge weapon. And I think he did show some flashes in training camp and in the preseason that he is ready. I mean, he's he's lived up to the hype as far as being you know fast and a really smooth athlete. 
they're not going to ask him to, uh, you know, to be a, a blocker every down. I think he showed some flashes there that there is some potential there that he's at least passable. Uh, so I think he's a, a huge piece. And like I said, with Goodson, uh, I just think it's, uh, it's amazing how much it gets overlooked. It's funny, even when people talk about how many starters this team has back on defense, they typically say 10 and leave the opening for Jonathan Hankins. But Kelvin Shepard started 11 games in middle linebacker, and it couldn't have been more forgettable. That's why no one even mentions it. Uh, I mean, he was one of the worst graded linebackers um, by pro football focus. And I know some people take those ratings with a grain of salt, but that support the eye test. The guy just you know didn't make any plays last year. And that's the one thing we've seen from Goodson already is he does make plays. Now, I don't know if if he's getting the defense lined up as well as a veteran like Kelvin Shepard did. And who knows when the season starts, if, if some of his weaknesses will be exploited when teams start to game plan. Uh, but just the two sacks he had in the preseason were super encouraging. They haven't really had a player in the middle of their defense, uh, you know, who could be a pass rush threat like that. And I don't even know how far back you'd have to go. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if he develops, uh, like I said, the flashes he's shown this preseason, if that's for real and he can carry that over to the season, uh, it's scary to think how good this defense could be because, again, they really don't have uh, big playmakers at that second level, and they still had one of the best defenses in the league. If they get a guy in the middle who you know, can be a dominant force, I mean, forget about it, they're going to be uh, you know, lights out on defense. Yeah, you would think there's just no hole on that defense if, if they get that player to do that. There's, there's a couple good names there, Dan. James, for you, when you look at the X factor for this team, I mean, there's so many big names, but sometimes an X factor could be a smaller name. It could be a bigger name. Who do you look at as kind of a, a guy that can move the needle even more forward for the Giants? I mean, obviously, I think Eric Flowers is one of them. I, I think he obviously has to, this, you know, the, the excuses have to kind of end for him. He needs to step forward and, and play. Look, I don't know if he's not going to – I don't think you can expect him to be a franchise caliber, pro bowl caliber left tackle. But he's a number nine overall pick who's going to his third season, 30 years as a starter. He's got to step up. I think the reviews have been mixed in the preseason. I think that for the most part, you know, he's he's been clean in, in the preseason games. But I also think that you look at it, you see some of the same technique flaws. And look, he hasn't gotten you know any horrific – you know, sackle out or Eli gotten blown up, but we get there to Sunday night. If he gets called for holding to kill a, a promising drive on on the first play of the game and that da- uh, first series of the game in Dallas, I think people will go, okay, maybe this is not fixed. I think Red Ellison could be an X factor. I think the Giants are one. They hope he can add something to their run game, maybe help out on the edge if they need in pass protection. But it seems to me like they believe that he was underused, you know, maybe not used the right way in Minnesota as a pass catcher. We've seen him get a lot of balls thrown away his way the preseason. And I go back to 2015, the Giants brought Dwayne Harrison, and the book on him was he was just a special team's ace, just a return man. They said, we're going to give him a chance to play receiver. Victor Cruz gets hurt. They put Dwayne Harrison there, and he didn't have a great season, but he was a solid slot receiver good number three receiver for them. I wonder if it's the same situation where the Giants maybe see something that Red Ellison's old team didn't, and they're going to kind of present that and maybe get a little bit more out of him as a pass catcher than we expected. Yeah, and well, that would be a big thing for them. And, and I think just the idea, and Dan, you were on this all year last year, for off, the Giants on offense, just to be more unpredictable than they were last year, which, I mean, last year, it got to the point where it felt like you could just call the plays at the line of scrimmage and you knew where the ball was going when Eli dropped back. They add Brandon Marshall. They add Red Ellison. They have the same offensive line. But a fullback, they hope too. Don't forget a fullback. That's right, a fullback, which most teams <laughs> in the NFL don't. Do you think we're going to see a more balanced, more unpredictable offense, or do you think it's going to revert back at some point and be you know, Eli trying to go to Eldad to make a big play? 
That's a great question because everything we've seen from the preseason suggests it'll be more diverse. But, you know, when the bullets start flying, if it's not working, if the two tight end sets aren't working, if the fullback's not working, do you just kind of fall back into what you're most comfortable with? Now, I don't think they will, A, because I think uh, it will work. I think, it, you know, having the diversity will just in, intrinsically having, you know, different things to prepare for is going to make things more difficult on defense. So I don't think it's going to fail. I mean, even last year. The thing that drove me crazy is that people said, well, what else were they going to do? This was their, you know, their best players were with the 11 personnel. But then when they would go two tight ends or they'd even go with like six linemen and some jumbo packages, they'd have success for a drive or two and then they'd abandon it. So it was like you really couldn't prove that that wouldn't work because you never did it. I mean, again, 91% of the time you're in the same exact personnel package. So you're going to tell me that the other 9% was enough of a sample size to say, oh, that, that just won't work. And again, I think it did. You know, anecdotally, it worked at times. Um, so now you're putting better players in those positions too. I mean, you're running two tight end sets last year, with Larry Donnell and Will Ty. Now you're doing with Red Ellison and Evan Ingram. That obviously going to make a big difference. Like I said, the fullback. Uh, I think the you know the preseason finale they gave Shane Smith a chance to make this team, and I think he showed what he can bring. He was just a, he's a powerful lead blocker, and I think the idea that you could maybe put Matt Lacoste there, or maybe put Red Ellison there, or Jarrell Adams, you're not going to get the same impact because those guys are tight ends. They're built totally differently. I mean, if you look at them side by side, Shane Smith. Uh, you know, looks the prototypical fullback, kind of short, very muscular, just very stout. And the other guys are a little tall. It's just not as natural for them to come through the hole and, you know, you know, bury their helmet in the middle linebacker's chest the way, you know, Shane Smith's been doing the last four years at uh, San Jose State. So uh, I think there's a lot of reasons to think that they'll be more diverse. I mean, they clearly made an emphasis on, you know, they could have just stopped this offseason at Brandon Marshall. But the fact that they went out and got Ellison, drafted Engram, uh, you know, kept Shane Smith on the roster shows, I think, I think that they're gen, uh, genuinely committed uh, to mixing things up more. Uh, I think you'll still see a lot of 11 personnel, and I don't have a big problem with that because Marshall, Shepard, Nodell are guys you're going to want on the field, but they don't, you know, Sterling Shepard doesn't need to play 95% of the snaps again. He can play 85 or 80, and you still have a good offense. So uh, that's what I would expect to see. I, I, there's no reason, uh, based on anything we've seen, the offseason and then into training camp in the preseason to expect them to, you know, fall back into the trap of last year. Year 14, James, for Eli Manning. What what do you expect here? I mean, you know, Eli has been, uh, in some ways, the one of the harder quarterbacks in the NFL for the last decade and a half to predict, but then in other ways, the, one of the easiest. He's going to play every game. He's going to put up some numbers. He's going to have a lot of big plays down the field, some interceptions. But at the same time, now we're going into a period of his career where physically, you don't know. And we don't know if last year was him, the offensive line. He did throw the ball well in that playoff game. How do you feel about Eli and what we might see in this season coming up? I think he's going to be better than he was last year. I just don't know if he's going to be as good as the 2014-15 season with McAdoo. If he somehow has a level beyond that and he turns in, you know, an elite season, you know, that, that he's really never kind of had in this offense. I mean, he's looked really good in the preseason. So my best guess is that he is better than last year, but maybe not quite at 2015 level, which I think is, is pretty good for the Giants. I think the Giants would take that. But I, I think, you know, uh, we, there was a CBS media day last week in the city that I was at, and Boomer Esiason, I think, said it best. Eli Manning, it's not necessarily about the numbers this year for him. He just needs to be consistent. He needs to not turn the football over. He needs to kind of execute the offense, let the guys around him make plays, and kind of just lead that unit and make it so it's a unit that is the defense is so good that if the offense can just put itself in position to have a chance to win every week, that defense usually 
might be able to hammer it home and you're going to start piling up wins. Yeah, you would. I mean, if he just does his job and does and, and executes the offense, it kind of is that point guard just gets into these weapons hands. I mean, they they should do enough. Um, it, Dan, it's funny. When Brandon Marshall signed, when the Giants landed Brandon Marshall, it was a big deal. It was uh, a big news story, obviously, in the area because Brandon Marshall went from the Jets to the Giants. He's a gigantic you know, figure in terms of personality. It almost feels like it's getting now – it's now under the radar. Like Brandon Marshall's on the Giants. Um, he's a guy that's probably a borderline Hall of Famer. They add him to Odell. They add him to Sterling Shepard. What kind of impact do you think Marshall could have on this offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's gone under the radar for a couple of reasons. I mean, he's this big media personality, but he really didn't speak to us uh, in the, the training camp. For whatever reason, the Giants decided to keep him under wraps. And it's funny because that changed immediately once the locker room opened on Monday. He held court with, you know, about 20 reporters. So I think that's going to be more the case. I think you're going to hear a lot of Brandon Marshall uh, going forward more than you did uh, in the preseason. And the other thing is he was hurt and he didn't really, you know, play with Eli. I mean, I, I believe he didn't catch a pass from Eli uh, this preseason. Obviously, Eli didn't play the first and the fourth games. Brandon played, I think, two snaps in the first game. Didn't play in the fourth game. Didn't play in the third game either. So he only played the one game with Eli in Cleveland and obviously had that pass where he you know, he, he made a business decision, which was probably the wise move in a preseason game to not fully extend. Although he still got hit by Jabril, uh, Jabril Peppers and uh, injured his shoulder there. Uh, so that you know, those two things kind of kept him off the radar. He's not you know, not speaking, so you're not seeing him all the time and, and not playing. Um but he seems healthy. He said he's going to definitely play uh, against the Cowboys. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a big impact. As the training camp's going on, maybe, again, it is because he hasn't been out there as much. Probably tempering it a little bit. Like, I think he's going to be a lot better than Victor Cruz. And I think he's going to be a very useful player, uh, you know, in the red zone and stuff. But seeing how much diversity they have, you know, I think you have to temper the stats for probably everybody except for Odell. I, mean, I think Odell is still going to, you know, get a ton of targets and put up huge numbers. But I think everybody's going to have to come back to the pack a little bit because they are going to spread the ball around. And, if, you know, if Evan Ingram's getting uh, targets and Red Ellison and Shane Vereen and, uh, you know, I think guys like uh, Shepard and Marshall probably aren't going to get quite as many, uh, you know, as they would have if they just went with the same uh, approach the last season. Uh, but, again, I think he is going to be a big piece. Key's going to be staying healthy. He's had a few little – uh, kind of nagging injuries and little nicks uh, during the offseason program. Uh, so they're going to have to uh, to make sure that he, you know, he's right 100 percent because I do think he will uh, have a big impact, even if the, you know, the numbers in the box score uh, aren't quite what you're used to seeing out of Brandon Marshall. All right, James, let's look around the NFC and what the Giants are competing against. And then we'll get into the schedule a little bit and look forward to this game on Sunday, which we know um, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be part of. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be on the field for the Cowboys week one against the Giants. But you know, I'm looking at the Giants' schedule, but really as a whole, before we do that, the NFC, I look at it, James, and I think, and I know you did your predictions, both of you guys did, for the season. I think the conference is really strong. Uh, I think it's stronger top to bottom than the AFC, um, who probably has the best team and the best team overall in New England. But just the NFC as a whole, I see a lot of teams that could be a playoff contenders. You know, maybe on their best day, they could be a 9- or 10-win team. A lot of them. Maybe there's only three or four I look at that say – all right, those teams are bad, like the Bears and the Rams and the 49ers. There's not many of them, though. Do you agree that the NFC is is pretty even? And how do you stack the Giants up when you look at all these teams that are going to be, I think, decent? No, definitely. I think the NFC is loaded. I, I Look, the NFC East, I think all four teams can, in my opinion, will finish 500 or better. I think the West, I think the West, I'm a little bit iffy about. Seattle, I think, is going to be very good. They might be the best team in the conference. Arizona, eh, maybe. Rams and Niners won't be very good. NFC North, Packers, obviously. Lions and Vikings, you know, 
they could be that kind of nine, ten win team. And I look at the South. I think the South could mean the Bucks should be good. The Panthers could bounce back. The Falcons are the you know should be good again. If they can get past Super Bowl hangover. Saints still don't really have a great defense. But no, I think it's a very it's a very good conference. I think the Giants are kind of in that second tier. Uh, I would say Seattle, Atlanta, Green Bay are ahead of them. But I think the Giants are right in that second group you know, with Dallas. Uh, I personally don't put Dallas in that first tier. I just think the defense is too many questions. They're kind of due for a step back after last year. But I think that you know the Giants, the Cowboys, the Eagles are in that second tier behind those three teams. And you know they got, a, they got as good a shot as anybody. Uh, I think they do too. I mean, they're they're probably in that second mix, second tier. I'd agree with that. Dan, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Obviously, you guys are going to be in Dallas Sunday night. Um, there's some interesting spots in the schedule. When you just kind of look at it um, in different blocks, not so much who they're playing every week. But they have three of the first four on the road. They end with three of their final four at home, and they start with all three of their first division games are all on the road at Dallas, at Philadelphia, at Washington before playing all three of those teams at home in December. What were your thoughts on the schedule when you looked at it more recently rather than when you looked at it uh, back when it you know, came out in April? Right, yeah. I mean, James and I both just did our game-by-game -game projections uh, earlier this week. And, man, that first seven games before they get to the bye week in week eight is brutal. Uh, you know, you start at Dallas – then you have Detroit, a playoff team, who I know that everyone acts like the Giants blew them out last year. The defense dominated them, but that was a you know one-score game until DRC makes a late pick, and I think they met a you know had a late score to make it with seventeen to six. I want to say. And uh, wasn't that was Stafford tough... banged up in that game? He wasn't. Yeah, even they, they were yeah. kind of falling apart at the end of the year. He was. Yeah, he had the finger or something on his throwing yeah. hand. There was a lot. Of, you know, they're still not going to be a pushover. I mean, that's a Monday night game, and they're going to be honoring the two thousand seven Super Bowl team. So you'd think the Giants will be uh, you know pretty juiced up for that one, the home opener and all that. But that's not going to be a, a pushover. Uh, at Philly, we know the the track record there. I mean, they just they just never seem to win there. I mean, last year they went in there in week sixteen with everything to gain. They could lock up a playoff spot. Philly's playing for nothing, and they just were completely flat and laid an egg, and you know, Eagles won uh, at Tampa. One of these trendy teams every year, two teams make it and two teams don't. Uh, from the previous year, Tampa Bay is definitely a trendy pick for a team who didn't make the playoffs last year to get in. That's gonna be a tough game. Uh, Chargers, uh, that's a home game, so you gotta feel pretty good about any West Coast team coming here. Um, but that's a, that's a sneaky team. I mean, anytime you have to deal with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram with a shaky offensive line, that's a little bit scary. Uh, and, you know, if Keenan Allen can stay healthy and Melvin Gordon, they have a few weapons there. So that, that's not as much of a cakewalk as I think some people are, are chalking it up as. Then I'm not going to go through every game because it's first seven. And then at Denver on Sunday night uh, with, again, another great pass rush. I know they don't have you know, the greatest offense, but that's a that's a tough task to go in there and win on Sunday night. And then you come home before the bye against Seattle. Uh, again, much better having Seattle come to you than having to go out there where you can basically just chalk it up as a loss. But. I mean, you look at that seven-game slate. I mean, I have them going four and three, and I think that would be a, a great accomplishment. You could easily come out of that stretch three and four or, you know, even worse, two and five if things really, you know, break the wrong way. It's, it's not inconceivable. Now, if you get the four and three at the bye, then I think they'll write the ship, and I actually haven't finished 11 and five. That seems maybe a little generous, but, uh, you know, I do think that they're, this is a really good team, and I think they'll kind of hit their stride. But, again, you just look at that first seven games, at Dallas, at Philly, at Tampa, at Denver. That's, that's some tough road games right out of the gates, and, and like I said, the home games are no picnic either. So uh, if they can survive that stretch at four and three, I think they'll be in good shape. They just have to, be, you know, avoid digging too deep a hole right out of the gate, and, you know, they have to really make up ground. Yeah, the schedule makers, James, didn't do any favors to the NFC East this year because they get the AFC West, which 
has a bunch of good pass rushing pass rushing teams and just good teams. That that's probably the second best division in football, right there with the NFCs. And then you get the NFC West, which has all those t- difficult teams, and that's a bunch of roaches. I mean, this is it's not an easy schedule the way Dan laid it out. And I, I could see three and four James for those first seven games. That this this start is is tough, and, and we'll get to this Dallas game in week one in a minute. But your thoughts on the schedule and, and areas you looked at as, as you were putting your um, your win loss together. Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, the NFC, AFC West thing, that's just, that's kind of is bad luck. You know, it's the rotation and everything. But I look at the schedule, it's just, it's built weird. I mean, you've got three road games in the first four. You've got four in the first seven. I think that, you know, you come out of the bye week, you've got that little stretch, home against the Rams at the 49ers. In theory, the Giants could be, like, you know, if they are three and four at the break, they could be able to kind of get well and coming out and get on a little bit of a run or if they have a good start and get to four and three or five and two somehow in the first seven, they've got a good shot to maybe kind of expand themselves, you know, kind of put some distance and and put some wins up. But what I keep coming back to is the final four games, all three division opponents at home with the Christmas Eve trip to the Cardinals. If the giants are in the race, when they get to the final four games, that could be a huge advantage for them. Obviously, it's going to stink that they don't get to play a divisional home game until December 10th, but they're going to get those three teams coming to MetLife Stadium in the elements with a chance to maybe kind of win the division, win a wildcard berth. But they've got to be in the race when they get there. And that has some, you know, there's some potholes that they could encounter along the way. So I just think it's a very odd schedule the way it's laid out. But I think if they can get to those final four games in the hunt, they've got a chance to ride that home field advantage and potentially do something down the stretch. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a that's a great point, because if you look at that four game stretch, I mean, they could come into that six and six, five and seven. And still, if they run the table, you know, win the division because you're going to have the, the games against the Cowboys, Eagles and Redskins, who obviously, uh, you know, they're going to be battling for the NFC East and having them all at home, like James says, is a huge advantage. So it's, as difficult as the schedules on the front end, not that those games are easy, but, you know, obviously rather have them at home and, uh, you know, get Dallas, you know, outdoors in December. We saw how that worked out last year. So uh, I think that's the encouraging part. I said it might be a rough start. Uh, they can kind of get well after the bye there. But that closing stretch, like I said, you really can't count them out. I mean, the NFC East pretty much goes down to the wire every year. I and mean, obviously the Cowboys were an exception last year when they kind of ran away with it. Uh, but I think those last four games are going to be a lot of teams, you know, with similar records. Um, so they're going to, they're going to have their destiny probably in their own hands and have a bunch of home games to try and control it. So that's, you know, pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah, it is. And you're right. I mean, the NFC is always, always comes down to the end. Let's talk about the division. Then we'll, we'll wrap with our thoughts on this game. And you guys are going to be there Sunday night in Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott will be with you and he'll be on the field. I look at the division, James, and I think that the Cowboys are in some trouble here, even with Elliott playing Sunday. We don't know, and we won't know until later in the week and, and maybe longer than that when he'll serve a suspension or not or push back to another year. But even if we just leave that out for a second, I think the Cowboys are destined to come back a little bit. I can't imagine they're going to be as good as last year. I think the Eagles are better. I think the Redskins are a little worse. Um, I could see this division coming down to the end of December and the Giants and Eagles being towards the top of it. And I, I don't know, frankly, because we talked about the NFC earlier, how many wild card spots will be available. James, when you look at the division, how do you stack it up in your mind right now as we head into week one? Yeah, I mean, if you saw what I did on NG.com, I think the Eagles are going to win the division because I just think I, it kind of surprised me. I think you're starting to see with the, you know, the national outlets, their predictions kind of trickle in. You're starting to see people kind of pick the Eagles. And the way I look at it is, 
Carson Wentz, you know, you think they've found a franchise quarterback. They've gotten him some weapons with Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith. He's got Zach Ertz, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you. He's really they good. Have, they have five running backs, and, you know, they got to get LeGarrette Blunt going. And I, I don't know if that, like, that's the reason why I didn't think the Giants should sign him. It's just when you're signing guys who are over 30 and have had 300, you know, carries, you know, it's just something maybe want to stay away from. But they've got those backs. They have a very good offensive line. I don't know if it's the best offensive line in football, but when you've got Peters and Johnson on the tackle spots, you're pretty set there. Tremendous front seven, good special teams, some of the best special teams in the NFL. And I know the the secondary has been an issue for them, but Howie Roseman was very aggressive in upgrading that secondary during the preseason. So I look at Philly, and I just think that there's a very good chance that they could be the most complete team in the NFC East. Just given the you know the Giants might have the best roster top to bottom, but the offensive line is an issue, and the Eagles are clearly better on the line than the Giants. I think it's going to be a very close. I think Eagles win the division at ten and six. Giants and Cowboys both get wild cards at nine and seven. Redskins are eight and eight, seven or nine. And I, I just because I personally think the Bucks. I don't really see. The, I think the Bucks are going to kind of be a disappointment this year. I don't think the Cardinals really have much left in the tank. I think they could be a team that could be spoiled. They might win eight or nine games, but I still think the Giants and the Cowboys are, are above the rest of the league in terms of the wild card spots. But I like Philly. I think the Eagles have a really good chance to win this division. They're my favorite going in. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the Eagles and the improvement they made kind of tilts the division because they're going to, on those six games they'll play against all these teams, um, it, it's going to be fun. If It's the way James laid out, Dan. December is going to be wild. If all those, if all four teams are separated by two total games, um, we're going to be talking about tiebreakers all of December. Dan, how do you look at the division right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Giants are going to win it. I mean, I, I am kind of with James to an extent on Philly, uh, and especially once they traded for Darby. That, that shored up one of their biggest weaknesses. That they needed a corner, so I think that uh, elevated them a little bit in my book because you just looked at the matchups and how are they going to you know, defend what the Giants have as wide receivers. I think you know he helps. Um, and it's always a tough matchup for the Giants, but I, I do think the Giants have a better overall team. Uh, maybe the question mark is if Wentz really makes a jump in year two. Um but I think those are I think those are the two best teams in the NFC East. I really think the Cowboys are going to fall back to earth. Uh, you know, of course Zeke is going to play on Sunday night, but all signs point to well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe he misses the next six games. Maybe he kind of gets the Tom Brady thing where things drag through the courts and he's able to play the whole season. But to me, it sort of feels like he he is going to have to serve the six games. So that's obviously a big loss. As much as people want to say, oh, you know. McFadden and, and Alfred Morris, you know, they'll step in and it's a great offensive line. I mean, let, let's not diminish how good Ezekiel Elliott is and, you know, what he did last season as a rookie was, you know, out of this world. So uh, that'll be a loss. And I think the Dak Prescott, I think he's a prime candidate for a sophomore slump. I don't think there's any chance, um, you know, his touchdown interception ratio will be anywhere near it was last year. I mean, the Giants certainly uh, seem to have him figured out uh, in the second meeting last year. I think a lot of other teams are going to, uh, you know, borrow uh, from what the Giants did. Their their defense is really beat up and, and wasn't too strong to begin with. So th that's the team that I really feel like is going to fall back to the pack. Again, like I said earlier, two teams make the playoffs every year that didn't the previous year and, and vice versa. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Cowboys fall all the way out of it and, you know, finish eight and eight or nine and seven. I just really don't think 
Um, they're built to duplicate what they did last year. And then the Redskins, it's funny how Jonathan Casillas said last week on the podcast, they're kind of that like sneaky team you forget about. I mean, everyone hates the Cowboys, and they have this really strong rivalry with Philly. And not that they don't with the Redskins, but you just kind of forget about them. And they've been this team the last couple of years that – uh, has been a little bit of a thorn in their side. And, you know, it's like Kirk Cousins' situation kind of fits that franchise because it's like he's good, but he's not that good. And it's just kind of a little messy. Um, but he, he, he's tough, and they, they have some good weapons for him. Uh, so I think they're going to be right in the mix. I think it's – I would be surprised if there's any team that runs away with it like the Cowboys did last year and if there's any team in the division that's, you know, a four- or six-win team. I think everyone's going to be pretty tightly grouped between, like, say, seven and 11 wins. Uh, and like I said earlier, I think it's going to come down to that last four-game stretch. I'm going to give the Giants a slight edge, then Eagles, then the Cowboys, then the Redskins. But, I, again, I think it'll be super competitive and, and come down to the wire. Yeah, I'd be shocked, too. If, if anyone wins 13 and is five or six games ahead of anybody else, it just it doesn't feel like it makes sense with the way these teams are, are built right now. Let's look towards week one. And the bombshell that came out, James, we're doing this podcast on a Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. Uh, you wrote about it for NJ.com. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be on the field, which – is a game changer for week one. Uh, none of us know what's going to happen the rest of the season and how many games they'll play, which obviously impacts the Cowboys in a big way. But just for this week, it's an odd dynamic because he's back. He might be gone after the game, um, but he's a difference maker. And uh, the Giants beat this team twice last year with him on the field. I always have a, a, a weird thing when a team's beaten another team twice in a row. I always feel like it's tough to just keep that going. I think the Giants are better than the Cowboys, but Elliott could swing it, and, and just the fact they beat him twice last year would worry me uh, from a Giants perspective to do it a third time. What do you think about this game Sunday? I agree with you. That, like, the Giants have actually won three straight against the Cowboys if you That's take right. back to the, the Matt Castle show uh, <laughs> when they came to MetLife Stadium. Feels like a long time ago. It was only, yeah, it feels like eons ago. I mean, think about that. Matt Castle is the quarterback for the Giants. I mean, Dwayne Harris was like their number three receiver. I mean, it, it was a long time ago. Tom Coughlin was still the head coach. But no, getting back to this one, I, I agree with you. I do think – I think the Giants are better than the Cowboys, but I also think it's very difficult to sit here and say they're going to sweep Dallas again this year. That being said, I just feel like they have been zeroed in on this game for months. They are extremely confident. And this goes back to like – I just had a feeling last year they were going to go into Dallas and win in week one. I thought they were going to win pretty handily. They did not. Obviously, it was a really tight game. I think this is going to be a very close game, but I just have a feeling that this Giants team is in is just in, in a mode right now where they're going to go down there and win no matter what. I think it's a very good chance that Dallas kind of gets them later in the year uh, when they come to MetLife Stadium just because of all the you know Dallas, they play inside, but they are really built to kind of win in December, which I think kind of gives the Giants some challenges late, later in the year. But I, it's just it's just a gut feeling that the Giants are going to go in there, you know. Even last year, Zeke ran for 100 yard plus yards in the second game, but they contained him for the most part. I think that's what's going to happen on Sunday. He'll get his yards, but the Giants will be able to control him to the point where they'll be able to make some plays on offense. That Dallas defense is not terribly good, not a great pass rush, which helps the offensive line, and they they start one and zero again. Yeah, I think the matchup favors the Giants. I mean, Zeke pushes it more towards the Cowboys, but I just think the Giants should be able to move the ball all day long, Dan, on that that Cowboys defense. I feel like we're going to learn a lot about what the Giants are, if they've improved offensively, and, and how much they're improved 
after Sunday night. I mean, if, if they don't move the ball on Dallas with, I think they have seven or eight new starters from the playoff game they played last year. Um, there's probably going to be some, some worry uh, in New York Monday morning if the Giants can't move the ball on this Cowboys defense. Yeah, and I'm not expecting them to come out and, you know, light up the scoreboard with 40 points. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, they need to be able to just move the ball. I mean, that was the thing last year uh, outside of that one uh, slant to Odell. He took the house um, in the in the matchup at MetLife. That was really the only time they moved the ball all day. And, and that was at the point where that offense was just completely lost and it really couldn't do anything. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to – the question is, can they top 30 points? They didn't do it all last year. And as much as that, that Cowboys defense is beat up, I kind of have a feeling they won't. Um, you know, I think Dallas is going to you know pound the ball on the ground too, so probably not give them a ton of chances. So um, I think the you know they'll be able to put up in maybe the mid to high twenties, which would kind of be a win based on what you know we've seen out of this offense in the last year. Um, so it's going to be, I think it'll be a tighter game, um, especially with Zeke playing. That does make a difference, like I said. And we don't know a hundred percent on Odell's status. Um, even if he does play, he might not be at 100%. Uh, so I think it'll be kind of a rock fight type game. Um, you know, I, I do think, like James said and you said, Joe, that they do match up very well. Uh, their run defense against Zeke is, is pretty much the perfect formula for a guy who's, who's so tough to stop. Uh, but I, I think it'll be a, a tight game. I'm going to say like something like 27 to 20. Uh, the Giants win, come down to the you know late in the fourth quarter in one possession either way. Uh, but I do think, like James said, uh, they're ready for this game and they're going to come out and you know kind of make a statement and, and get off to a one-zero start. Yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked if it's not a one possession I mean, game and that's just the way these games tend to go Sunday night football Giants Cowboys you guys will be there Elliot will be on the field it's going to be the, the marquee matchup of week one so James you got him at nine and seven and in the playoffs Dan you have him at 11 and five and winning the NFCs I'll put him at 10 and six I'll go right in the middle I think they're <laughs> going to make the playoffs at 10 and six so all three of us have them making the playoffs so that should uh, be an interesting thing we track as this year goes along James as always Thanks for doing this, and uh, enjoy Dallas. We'll talk next week. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thanks a lot, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening to Episode 101 of Talk is Cheap, our Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're there, and we'll be back next week to talk all about the Giants Week 1 and everything that happened down in Dallas. Dallas.